Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. Also joined with us are Scotty and Sandra Rollett. Hey. If you'd like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation, we are a part of Rebel Alliance Media, so go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You'll find two other podcasts, the Rebel Podcast and Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids podcast, as well as blogs and articles, teaching series. Follow us on social media and subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher so that way you get all of our new episodes when they come out. Today we continue our series in Louis Burkhoff's book, Manual of Christian Doctrine. And the topic tonight is... Well, we're delving into a new section, the doctrine of man We've in made relation it. to God. We've made it into a new section, guys. We've graduated from one and we've moved on to another. That's what I'm talking about. So we begin with man in his original state. Awesome. OG man. OG. <laughs> um, Rawlets, how does it feel to be so far into the book already? We're like a third way, right? A third of the way through? Sure. Yeah, I, I, would, I would classify that maybe a little bit more than a third. I mean, other than for a grade, I have never read through the an entire systematic theology book. Just being honest. Well, I've uh, I've haven't gone to seminary, so I I have not gone through any type of theological book per se, besides devotional. So this is definitely a learning experience for me. There are 361 pages, and we are on page 121. Yeah, almost exactly a third. Almost exactly a third. Cool. Okay. We're going to dive in here? Let's do it. So we are starting with man in his original state, and we're going to start with the constitutional nature of man. From the discussion of the doctrine of God, we pass on to that of man, the crown of God's handiwork. The study of man in theology should not be confused with the science of anthropology, though it bears the same name. It does not make man as such, but very particularly man in relation to God, the object of its consideration and discussion. Under the present heading, the essential constituents of the human nature and the origin of the soul in the individuals of the race will be considered. So essentially what Burkhoff is going to talk about is what is man that God created? Mm-hmm. You know. So we're going to study anthropology without studying anthropology. Exactly. Yeah, perfect sense. It's yeah, like he said, it's more about constituents. So what constitutes a person? What is it that makes up a human in relation to God? Yeah, and then more specifically too, in relation to God, which you have to if we're created by God. Mm-hmm. You're starting from the wrong place if you talk about it otherwise. Yep. Well, I think that's why he also he started the the first third of the book going through and establishing who God was, what yeah. God was, mm-hmm. how how he interacts with us, mm-hmm. um, his state. Then you work on and then going through the creational part of it. Yep. And now let's learn who we are as people in that relationship and how we interact with him and how 
our places with him. Mm-hmm. Who he calls yeah. the crown of God's handiwork. Yeah. Humans, the crown of God's handiwork. Yeah. So the essential elements of human nature, there are especially two views, mm-hmm. so two main views, respecting the number of elements that go to make up the essential nature of man. And he's going to go in and start talking about um, dichotomy and trichotomy, which we're going to go in and like cut up and try and dissect a little bit. And it can be kind of confusing, but we're going to do our best to like try and break these two ideas down. And I think he does a pretty good job of breaking this down, too. And we'll probably have to find some scriptures, read some of the scriptures where he talks about this body and soul. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go through some of these scriptures, too, and hopefully that's helpful. There are especially two views respecting the number of elements that go to make up the essential nature of man. View number one would be dichotomy. So dichotomy is that man consists of a body and soul. So there is a material, physical part of man, and then there's an immaterial, invisible... Spiritual. Spiritual Mm -hmm. part of man. So two parts. Dichotomy. Dichotomy. We gather this from several scriptures. One that Burkhoff lists is 1 Corinthians 5, 3 to 5. And 1 Corinthians 5, 3 says... For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus. So I'm just going to stop right there. But obviously, Paul understands us to be body and spirit. Soul and spirit being interchangeable words. Yes. And this is where the, I guess, distinction needs to be made between the terms soul and spirit. Because the trichotomists, which we can talk about in a minute, yeah. believe that the soul and the spirit are different. Right. They're different parts of a human. Yes. Yeah. Where the dichotomists will say, no, the soul and the spirit are the same. Yeah, they're interchangeable words for the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Scotty, what was the verse uh, you had pulled up? Yes, I have uh, Matthew uh, Matthew ten twenty eight. All right. Uh, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Boom. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, Burkhoff, I'll just read it real quick. Okay. Burkhoff says, the usual view of the constitution of man is that he consists of two and only two distinct parts, namely body, soul, or spirit. This is in harmony with the self-consciousness of man, which clearly testifies to the fact that man consists of a material and a spiritual element. Like you were saying, there's a a physical part and a spiritual part. Yep. It is also borne out by the study of scripture, which speaks of man as consisting of body and soul or of body and spirit. The two words soul and spirit do not denote two different elements of man, but serve to designate the one spiritual substance of man. Mm-hmm. This is proved by the following consideration. There are several passages which which clearly proceed on the assumption that man consists of only two parts. Well, I think uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 12.7 also makes a good description as far as uh, separating the two. Yeah. Going in uh, verse 7, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. There you go. There's that distinct... You know, that earthly body is going back to back to the earth, you know, 
harkening back to the creation of man. Right. And then the spirit returns to God. And First Corinthians 5, 5 says, You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And Burkhoff lists a bunch of other scriptures, too. We're not going to read all of them, but there are several. If you have a copy of his manual here, you can go through and look up all the rest of the correlating scriptures that he has. There's overwhelming evidence for this position, I think. Um, Yeah, I think so, too. It's the one I hold. Yeah. The one we hold. Rollins, you hold this position, right? Yes. Yes, we hold this one. (laughs) We. Sandra's awfully quiet over there. Are you a closet trichotomist? (laughs) <laughs> no oh lord no <laughs> okay so trichotomy our then. family our family stands together so trichotomy is the opposing view or the opposite view some would just say another view because they don't see it as a big issue but they would say that humans consist of three parts body soul and spirit and now what would they find the soul and what would they define the spirit well so it's funny because I did a one-time Bible study at my last unit with my chaplain on this because he was a trichotomist and I was a dichotomist and somebody had asked a question. So we did a study on this and I tried to look some stuff up about the trichotomist because I really hadn't thought about it and I am a dichotomist. But there is not a general consensus. The, on the differentiation between a soul and a spirit? Or what the spirit really is. Is the spirit the will, you know, or a human's volition? And then a soul is the part that is dead. And then if you're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, it comes alive. And then your will is still tainted by sin. And so that's what wars against the your new, you know, heart or the new man. Anyway, they come up with all kinds of crazy stuff. And this is where I stopped and I was like, this is just complicated. Well, and it's not clear in scripture either, so you're really trying yeah, to just Yeah, it's all guess. speculation. Under under well, the dichotomist section, before he gets into trichotomy, he does explain that the word spirit for a dichotomist simply is referring to the life and action of which controls the body, so your spirit. That's referring to like what controls just your life and the actions yeah. of your body. And the soul refers to it as like a more personal subject inside a man, which, which with which he feels and wills, and it's like the seat of his affections. So, so the heart. The same thing, but like a different aspect of the same thing. Yeah. Like a different so, so you're saying facet. with, uh, you know, it's hard to, to look up the scripture on it. I mean, Burkhoff even uh, goes through and states that uh, this con- uh, conception of man did not result from the study of scripture, but was born of the study of Greek philosophy. Yeah. It was adopted by several German and English theologians. Yeah. Um, and you're talking and, about the trichotomy view. Yeah. Yes, the trichotomy yeah. view. And when you go through and he gives some of the verses that are used by trichotomists mm-hmm. to kind of pull their point, it kind of seems like they're reaching um, because like when Paul's speaking – or when Jesus is uh, summarizing the uh, first table of the law by saying, Thou shalt love thy Lord, thy God, with all thy heart, with all his uh, soul, with all thy mind. Yeah. You know, he's emphasizing the fact that it is the, it's intended for the whole man. Love your God with your mind. Or, you know, every bit should be, you know, right. loving him. But it just kind of seems to me that this is where we get 
a lot of different belief sects where they reach for a thought originated from scripture is originated from a human thought and then they're trying to skew the scripture to go in line with their beliefs yeah rather than starting from scripture their starting point was with human reason well i think a lot of people have not probably thought too much into this either yeah like i don't know many new christians who are laying in bed at night trying to figure out if they're a dichotomist (laughs) or trichotomist it's just not something that's yeah. like I need to go to therapy and figure this out. Really are concerned about, I think. And if you are new like a new believer, I could see you being kind of confused why uh we would have like soul and spirit listed together. Like that would be kind of confusing. I could see uh-huh. that being kind of confusing. Like, hey, you're using two different words. What's up? Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. why why is that there? So I think when he does list them off like the difference between the soul and the spirit and how they are the same thing, just a different aspect of the same thing. Yeah. That's helpful for someone and it could add clarity where maybe there isn't clarity. Yeah. Rather than having to come up with like a whole new doctrine or a whole new part of a human. Right. Just take it for what it is. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to go to philosophy or anything to try and come up with what the Bible says. Just. Take it simply. Yeah, it's always better to just take the Bible straightforward for what it's telling you. Yep. Sandra, can you read that verse in First Thessalonians that yes. a lot of um, trichotomists use? First Thessalonians five twenty-three. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the trichotomists have used this to say, look, Paul is saying body, soul, and spirit are mentioned here and, you know, obviously tell us that this is what constitutes a human. But like Scotty was saying, Burkhoff summarizes very well that this is just like when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that it's just pointing to all of you, mm-hmm. the whole you. So... Well, That's if you do take the away. if you do take the dichotomous view of spirit and soul, meaning same thing, just a different aspect. Yeah, what he's saying there is you should be sanctified in your actions and in your heart, yeah. like your will, and then what you do with your body, what yeah. con- that which controls your body. Same thing, just how it works itself out in a human. Another verse that Burkhoff lists here is Hebrews four twelve, which says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I've heard the trichotomist say, look, the look here, the spirit and soul are two different things because it's talking about then being able to be divided and I think it just proves the dichotomous point, though, because he even says between the thoughts of your heart and your actions. Well, that's true, too. Yeah. And that that verse is even hyperbole Yeah. to the effectiveness of the word of God. It's saying, look how amazing and great it is. It can it can even do, you know, this, which to everyone listening or reading should go. Oh, wow, you know, that really shouldn't be able to be done. But the Word of God could do it. Yeah, can. You know, can do it. So (laughs) it's kind of 
So where does a soul come from, by golly? God. Oh, by gosh, by golly. It's t- oh, by gosh, by golly. It's time to figure out where souls come from. Oh, by gosh, by golly. Have a heart. It's time to find out where souls come from. Okay. So there are three theories respecting the origin of the soul in each individual. So basically, where the heck do souls come from? There are three major beliefs. There's one belief that states souls are pre-existent, and that is called pre-existentialism. Souls were created and existed before you existed in history. Basically, that souls are... Created all at once, right? Yes. Some speculative theologians advocated the theory that the souls of men existed in a previous state and that certain occurrences in the former state account for the condition in which those souls are now found. It was thought to afford the most natural explanation of the fact that all men are born sinners. This theory meets with little favor at present. That's all he says. That's all he says about that. It does kind of just sound ludicrous. But, Sandra, you and I have been in women's Bible studies where women have literally believed this, that their children prior to being born existed in heaven. Yes, and... It's interesting. Yeah. He says that they believed that whatever happened in this previous state affects their situation now. Right, which is why they're born sinners. So they babies couldn't be floating around in heaven. Which is yeah, which accounts for their sin nature. That's what he says. But my thing is we're we are born with a sin nature because we're born in Adam. Right. Which is a historical temporal thing. Being born in Adam is here on earth. Well, and that's clearly taught in scripture. Right. That's a here on earth situation. So I'm not born a sinner because of something I did in heaven before I was born under Adam. Yeah. So. Well, and honestly, we know from all of scripture that sin is, cannot be in the presence, like God cannot be in the presence of sin. Yeah. So we would know that sinful souls prior to being born cannot exist in heaven because God can't dwell with sin. I mean, well, that's where, you know, you start getting into people kind of thinking incarnation, uh, where Maybe. reincarnation, reincarnation, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Uh, where if their souls were created beforehand and then something happened or now their soul is being in, in a human, yeah. uh, because it's unfit to be in heaven. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's kind of reaching. Well, and Burkhoff lists no scriptures for this section, so... Because it literally is, like, (laughs) contradictory to all of the rest of scripture. Then we get into the second theory, Traducianism, and this is the theory where, essentially, it makes the parents of the the child the generator of souls. Yeah, because they said that parents are the ones that pass the soul on to their children. Because parents have a soul, we can therefore create souls via childbirth. Yeah. So, so you're splitting, splitting souls. Yeah, that's what he, that was what he pointed out as one of the problems here. How many children can I have before I run out of soul? <laughs> right. Is this why I get less and less patient with every one of my children? Right. She has less soul to, to spare. So. Burkhoff basically says it makes it very difficult to guard the sinlessness of Jesus if he derived both his body and his soul from a sinful Mary. Yeah. So he's kind of saying if our souls come from our biological parents, then Jesus would have to be born with a sin nature as well because his 
soul then came from Mary. Yeah. Who has a sinful soul. Who Yeah, who has a sinful soul. So well, the, and I, uh, I like how you pointed out, right. too, that this would make God, like, only a mediator. So the answer to that is is the correct view. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is the third and final view, creationism. Yep. The creationist view is to the effect that each individual soul is an immediate creation of God, which owes its origin to a direct creative act of which the time cannot be precisely determined. So basically, like, we don't know what time our soul was, like, yeah. cooked up by God. Mm-hmm. In that cauldron of his <laughs> No, not will. he's not a witch. <laughs> a cauldron's just a big pot. It doesn't have to be associated with a witch. But that it is an immediate creation. Yeah, and then when you think of Jesus being created, if the hum- you know, the human soul that he took on was created by God, by the Holy Spirit, when Mary was impregnated with him, and that's how it could be untainted by sin. Mm-hmm. He wasn't born of Joseph. Well, and he goes on to say the soul is supposed to be created pure, but to become sinful even before birth by entering into that complex of sin by which humanity as a whole is burdened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even in that, he's saying, like, like you said, like it can't be tainted with sin if it was created, you know, beforehand or just when everybody else was, you know, had to be created and put in there at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this view is supported by the psalm that talks about God weaving us in our mother's womb. Yeah, one, that's like every woman's... Um, psalm 139. Every uh, women's 13. baby shower, every women's Bible study always goes to that verse. Right. We can quote that one like the back of our hand, right, Sandra? Sure. <laughs> yes, of <laughs> I course. I think that even actually when, um, when my oldest was born, because he was a preemie, someone like did like a little painting for him with that on there. Mm-hmm. You should get it tattooed. He does say, that's why I said the back of my hand, because on the back of my hand. <laughs> he does say that it's, this theory, though, does have some difficulties. Yeah, okay. It does make it rather hard to account for the reappearance of the mental and moral traits of the parents in children. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, it ascribes to the beast nobler powers of propagation than that to man. For the beast multiplies itself after its kind. Hmm. And finally, it is in danger of making God at least indirectly responsible for sin, since he puts a pure soul into a complex which will inevitably corrupt it. In spite of the difficulties, he says, it deserves the preference. He gives all these things. He's like, here are all the problems. But despite that, it's preferred. It's, it's preferred. Yeah. I think even with the creationism, the the part where he's saying, well, there's still genetic traits that are passed on from the parents. I think as far as from what I've seen, a lot of those traits are still learned because of the susceptibility of the child to the parents and the environment they are around uh, as they grow up. But there are still kids who are, like, put into adoption or foster care who have, like, the same tick as their parents or, like, weird facial thing, like, facial features or or grimaces or something that, like, they've never been around their parent and there it is. The same. Or they go into the same professions or something. With the genetic portion of it, of, you know, muscular patterns, 
and uh, and the uh, nervous system and how that works over an actual learned uh, trait. Nature versus nurture. I'm just saying, though, he he does kind of say that there are a few things. Well, and I, I think we can remind everyone to even Burkhoff said at the beginning that these are theories. I mean, he didn't come right landing on any of them, really. There are issues with each and every one of them. Yeah, it's just kind of fun to talk about. Dichotomy versus trichotomy, the origin of the soul. These are things that are not clearly taught in well, scripture. I mean... I think the dichotomy versus trichotomy is pretty clear. I think that's much clearer than the origin of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think if you're a trichotomist, you're a heretic or... No. Or really off your rocker. I think it can lead you there because I've... If you're not careful, read yeah. ...read some stuff... Some psychologists and psychiatrists that could get into some weird stuff. And you might just be misinformed or ignorant, too, which I think happens a lot. Yeah. Like, I think those women that are, you know, that do believe their babies are floating around in heaven before they, you know, get yeah. pregnant. Like, I don't think that they're heretics. I just think they're ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. Misinformed. And they and just don't. They're just well. not educated. And this is where we need to start picking up manuals of Christian doctrine and right. start teaching it to people so that... Women don't believe crazy things like that, and and men too. I'm just saying, but yeah. I think men are. It's not a big deal, but it's not a big deal. Well, men are more likely in a Sunday school class or something to pick up a doctrinal book than women. Women are yeah. more often given like a devotional or something. Where I do think men are more prone to pick up yeah a dusty old doctrine book than a woman. But I think uh, it's it's good to point out that this is a minor. Uh, minor issues, and that this does not reflect uh, salvation in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is good to know what you stand on. It is good to know what you believe and be able to justify why you believe it. And having the scripture and having that knowledge is is good. And the way he builds each doctrine on top of the previous one, you can really see how being off on one small doctrine can really jack up the rest, yeah. you know? So to really make sure that you start at the beginning and smooth everything out so you can keep building what correctly. you believe correctly and you don't have like a lopsided, you know, building at the end of your belief system. You're going to be all crooked if you're not building straight. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. No, it totally yes. does. Good stuff. I think we are good for this section. Thank you guys for listening this week. Tune again. Tune in again next week for another episode, and we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. Till next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.
peep this, you'll see that verse 1 is my thesis It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nick at night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases To sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1, yeah And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation This situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable with new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above